Kimber is an activist, the founder of a non-for-profit organisation, Our Table, and is now a permanent resident of Ireland after spending nine years in a direct provision centre in Ballyhornis, County Mayo. I'm thrilled to say she is joining us now for the Shine Festival. Ali, it, it is amazing to chat to you. Thank you so much for giving up your time. Thank you so much, Sabrina, and I really appreciate uh, you guys having me on here. I'm um, so excited. Well, Ali, how does it feel in 2019, you finally got permanent yeah. residency in Ireland. Yeah. How did that yeah. feel to have all that uncertainty taken away? Uh, it's a feeling that I can't explain to you. It hasn't sunk in really yet because like I'm in transition right now. And you know, like I spent many, many years in direct provision and even nobody can take away that from me. It's something that has stuck into my brain. And uh, I'm also grateful that, you know, like um, uh, I am right here. And, you know, like, as you've mentioned that, you know, 2019, I got my residency. It's a transition. Unfortunately, the transition has also made the, this tough situation, the pandemic. So it's just kind of like coming out of direct provision and go, gone into a natural um, disaster of, you know, like of a lockdown, systematically like, a, a, like continuing of the direct provision in a different way. But I don't look at it that way. I have much freedom than what I can actually look behind. My brain has opened up to more new, exciting things. Even in the tough times, it's also the times whereby your brain can really work well. I've used the lockdown as a space whereby I'm trying to figure out and also to understand and to consume that, you know, that exciting news. And do you have a support system, a support network that can help you during the transition? Because this is something that you were so looking forward to. But then when it does happen, it is a shock to the system as well, isn't it, Ali? Yes. Yeah. No, I've been really, really lucky that I've been surrounded by people that are more precious. I can call them precious gems. Like, uh, to be honest, they're people that they've actually supported me tremendously, physically, emotionally and spiritually. And also, you know, like uh, uh, guidance, you know, like guidance is very, very important. I call myself that I'm not rich in the bank, but I'm very rich in social economically because I have a good social network. So, you know, if you have social network, if you have a very good social network, that means you're more than having money in the bank because you can have money in the bank and not know what to do with your money. But you can have a social connection and people that are, uh, you know, are good and they want the best for you and they really, really want because also to be socially connected with people, it's another thing but also connected to the right people. So I always feel like I'm also connected to the right people that are helping me with this transition. And it's become a little bit easy because of that part of support system. How did you make those connections? Because Ali, sometimes that's the hardest thing to do, to reach it, to actually reach out to somebody and say, can you please help me? Yeah. Can you please help me? It's a very difficult thing. Fortunate enough, I've never said, can you please help me? But during my time, I've actually uh, connect myself, you know, like the time that I was coming uh, in direct provision, the system wasn't like the system that it is right now. It was a very, very difficult system, right, to navigate around. And through that, I'm one of the women that I stood up for this system. And through that, I actually met people. And most of the people that I met in, 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 along those lines, they authentically and originally just good for me because like the friends that I have, I don't have a friend that I've met two years ago. All the friends that I have are friends that I've met six, seven, eight years ago. 
nine years ago, the people that I arrived in Ireland and they met me through my journey. And those people, they've actually stuck in my life. So this is how long I've also known the people and this is how long I've connected with these people. And there is trust in there. There is also um, um, a, a love binding in there. And you know, there is also a comfortable feeling for me that because also these people, but they've not treated me like a charity case or they've not even treated me like a, a, a woman that we have to sit down and feel compassion with, but they've treated me like the person that they've seen in front of them that needed help and needed support and they could empower me and allow me to be in their space as their, whether partners or friendship or whatever it is I'm doing. And that's the friendship that I've actually created. That is amazing. Um, yeah. Before we talk about your time in Ireland in the direct provision centres, can we go back? Can we go back yeah. to your time in Malawi? What was yeah. life like for you there? Uh, I grew up in a very, very normal and, and good family. Um, uh, my parents were well-read and uh, both of them academics. And I'm coming from a background whereby the politically uh, environment and uh, and loving family, and we were we grew up part of the, from the city and uh, and the farm, because my mom owned the farm and my father worked in a in an agriculture setup, and then we we moved like time to time, but we were uh, <clears throat> really settled. We had a settled home, and our parents were very caring, very loving, and you know like guidance was a very strict uh, rule in our family, and also they taught us quite. Uh, uh, a lot, you know, and my, my parents were foodie people too. And uh, I can't like really look something that I can even actually say that it was problematic in my growing up. So then when did things change? When did you have to make the decision that you felt unsafe? Yeah. So, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, in life, you realize how important uh, your family unit or your background is or your freedom is till you start losing the people that you care so much one by one and then that emptiness and the struggle of how those people depart from this world can actually uh can actually now write write your future and tragically things can change from hundred to zero and that's something that happened from us in my family because we started losing family members. I started losing my dad and my mom, my uncle first, my, my mom and dad, and then my uncles and then my other uncles, but it was like, you know, politically connected and, and you know, like it's very hard. I'm coming from Malawi where things don't kind of like being talked straightforward. And from there, all those tragic deaths become something that even me as that my parents died while I was, more from a, a young woman, I started getting rebellious because I knew the surroundings around their death. So, you know, that actually sent me into a very rebellious mode that I started acting in my way, you know, like, I mean, in however, because a lot of things dramatically changed. So even that sent me into a kind of like a, a like, so like I stormed out and I started getting involved in things that I believe that this is the reason why my family or my parents were taken out of this earth, of this uh, earth. And then I have to find my ways, find ways to console myself, to do things differently, or maybe kind of like, I should call it like a revenge, 
you know, and all of that uh, put me in a ways that, you know, it was really, really dangerous for me. And it was very, very hard for, for me to actually continue living there. So Ali, you're already going through a traumatic experience, right? And I think, I, I think about my experience, which is completely different to you. We're both um, citizens, uh, originally born in different countries. We both are in this country now, but I chose to come here of my own free will. I was safe. And it was hard for me leaving behind my family and friends. But what is that like for you when you have to make that decision to go, my home, my country, the place I love, I no longer feel safe in and I need to go and I need to go to another country where I don't know anybody to start a new life. What is that like for you? Uh, I have to tell you that maybe it, it just come like a, I don't want to go emotional. Like it yeah. doesn't just come as a long time that you're asking me this question, right? Uh, it's been difficult enough to be like in uh, direct provision and go through what I've been through. And looking back at what I've lost in terms of my parents, my family, for the last three weeks, I've lost over a hundred people. I'm so sorry. Either, either the closest or the people that I know, but still these people could be somewhat my circle of friends. You know, like coronavirus, the pandemic has hit so hard that, you know, I've lost many of the loved ones. And these are the people that were prominent and people that had uh, so much, not only power, but uh, things that they could change the communities, you know? I'm trying to be strong, but um, you know, like uh, this week I was thinking that despite that I came here many years back and when I was coming here, I said, I wanted to move on with life and I wanted to live and to raise my kids and move on. And I felt like that was the greatest decision that I actually made, you know, despite that there were other situations that maybe they could have taken me that time, but looking at what's going on right now and thinking that maybe either way I couldn't even make it. And it's very, very uh, disheartening and it's killing, but um, I'm good, I'm here. And, you know, and there's a reason why I'm here. And, you know, like may all of them, they're so rest in peace. I lost uh, 12 members of one family within two days. Um, and all of these, just to think, I'm happy that I'm here. And I'm happy that, you know, like I've been allowed to live and I, I hope I'll be able, I know like this disease, it's it's somewhere. But, uh, I'm in a country where there is, there is safety, there is control. And, you know, they're trying to keep us safe yeah. uh, for us to make it through, which my friends didn't actually have that luxury because of the political demographic setting up, you know, like the lack of the corruption and the lack of doing the things right. And the pandemic has also just taken advantage of that situation and people are dying every day. So both ways, in, in whatever the reasons that I came I came here with many years back and to where I am today, 
are I, I came to Ireland to live and that's what I want and to raise my kids till I get I get old enough to raise my grandchildren. I'm yeah. so sorry to hear about all the loss that you've had to face. I am happy for you that you are in a happy um, yeah. place right now as yeah. well as all the sorrow that is going on. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it was tough when you got here. As I said, it was a tough decision leaving. Yeah. When you get here, yeah. can you tell yeah. us about the direct provision system because it is not... Yeah, so, you know, like uh, when I got here, I got here by myself. I didn't bring my family. I didn't bring my children. And I was thinking, like, I'm just going to get here and in a few days' time, I'll be able to be sorted out and get, you know, like uh, everything up. And my kids, today they're in here. I didn't even know that it's going to be a battle, like how it's been. Then it's when I started to realize that I'm in another, I'm in another mess, right? But the only thing that I could actually do was to actually be strong for myself because I was also clinically diagnosed with depression. And I was like, I have to be strong for myself that I can bring my children here and we can uh, um, <clears throat> we can uh, we can reunite again and move on with our lives. It's been a long time. It's it's been a long time coming to the freedom that I have now. Things were very very hard. The direct provision system that we had at that time wasn't like the direct provision system that we have right now. There were many things that were not right. Um, I. I met through a lot of people and I myself that we struggled and there was no basic human rights. There's no things like right to work, right to cook, you know, right to make choices of what you want to be in a day. It was just like you're in an open prison. Uh, the people that run this system, they took advantage of the people that stayed there. The state itself, the system is systematically racist. And there were many things that was not easy. And for me to actually be one of the people that we stood up at that time, and to start fighting for that system, for the system, it was one of the biggest risks that you could take because you could be on the next flight to where you're coming from. But um, I'm glad that with the support of the Irish community, they all come behind me and supported me, supported the voice that I carried. And, and slowly by slowly, although the system is still up for change, but things started like looking up but it, it wasn't as easy. We were getting 19 euro 10 a week and I'll be looking forward to Friday, like today to go and get my 19 euro. Sorry, you said 19 euro a week. Yeah. How a do week, you survive yeah. on 19 euro a week? People can't do that uh, I don't know. I don't know how we survived, but we, were, we, we get through it. And even my time, it was a, 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 a hard time because that time it was just like after the recession. So, you know, they were like even get like, you know, like some piece jobs, maybe small pieces of jobs that you could earn a little bit of 20 extra and support your family. It was only that 19 euro a week. I don't know how we survived. It was a very, very hard time to deal with. But um, I mean, it, it was that it is. We were just mainly sleeping. And thank God uh, I was really, really lucky to meet the CEO of Irish Refugee Cancer, Sukhonland who actually offered me an outlet of uh, being out to go to Irish Refugee Council where I got my first internship. And you were in that system for nine years yeah. and there are people there who have been in that system for as long. The system needs to change. And yeah. how can we 
as allies help to make that system change? How do we protest it? I don't expect you to have all the answers, by the way, because yeah. it's not uh, yeah, you exactly. to have the answers. But we need yeah. to we need to come forward and and use our voices. Yeah, I think I think the most powerful thing that the allies can actually do, our comrades can actually do, is to empower many people from direct provision for not you to speak for them because there are many people that have a voice in there. But if you are still going to undermine people and still treating them like charity or still treating them like, uh, oh, let me, let me hold my hand and I'll show you the way. But if you can say, this is the way, let's walk in and uh, side by side together and I'll show you how things can be done. I think that will be the, be, the, be, the for, 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 for the things that I've actually seen, like I've been supported quite a, quite a lot and I don't think I've only been supported, but I think I've been empowered to do the things that I could do rightfully, right? So I think that will be the same thing that I'll be asking people because I've seen a lot of things happening. Like from 20, if I talk from 2013 to 2018, there was nothing really, really much, like, like nothing. There was started like changing, like in 2017, you know, like the, in 2014, there was that big protest. In 2017, there was a change whereby the, uh, <clears throat> the Judge Brian McCormick report came in and there were things that were done, but um, there wasn't much like what I've seen from 2019, 20, end of, I can say like 2020 to 20, 20, end of 2019. And I think 2020, because a lot of people are, sitting down, there's not nothing much which has been which is being done. People they've actually taken time to see like, okay, what can I do at this time? Right. But from 2019, I've actually seen a lot of stuff like start changing. The community start becoming strongly behind. But also I have a mixed mixed emotions towards the things that I'm actually seeing. Right. But I also feel like uh, the support needs to come by by recognizing the victims of that situation. And by recognizing the victims of that situation, it's not making them the victim, but it try to make them like, but like the two that you can support and empower them so they can be, uh, they can be able to do things that it can make the system more better. Like now we have a right to work that has been changed now to three months, which is, yeah, we are getting there, right? I wish if people could come and once just they've been assessed in that three weeks time and there is nothing wrong with that, people they can put into a workforce straight away. I wish if things can happen that way. I wish if people want to go into direct provision centers, people will go into a community for integration straight away. I think these are the things that, you know, like uh, they can be, you know, support and empower people. I feel like, okay, if you people comes in and then you find people that are people that have like a lot of skills, like some of the skills, it's it, to, to bring them to that table where those skills are, you know, like to bring them on the boards that, that where those, uh, where they can actually, uh, you know, like they can actually actually offer their support or lend their, their, their skills. I think that would be the best way of actually you as allies to actually doing by recognizing people and accepting them and, and, and integrate them so quickly and make them part of the program that's happening other than make them like the people that you should work for. Yeah, and I suppose that, that brings me down to what, you know, Ireland is so well known for the, I, I'm probably going to say this wrong. The Cade, yes. the Cade, Cade Miller Fulcher, you know, the, the land of a million welcomes. Yeah. But is that what you felt all the, like, did you feel that? I mean, you, you've, you, you've spoken about the systemic racism yeah. that you felt in the direct provision centres, mm -hmm. but what even mm -hmm. outside of the direct provision centres? 
Yeah, in terms of Irish people, in terms of like Irish people, right? Irish people that are there to support people. I'm not talking people that works for NGOs or works for groups or whatever, right? But I'm talking about Irish people, right? Irish people are really, really good people, very supportive, and they're very loving. And I'm not just saying that. I've been there, right? So in terms of like things like racism or whatever, they're just few, you know, few nuggets that, you know, they don't really understand what they're doing. They're not maybe happy themselves. You know what I mean? So in terms of like a thousands of World Cup, I'll say, yeah, Irish people are very, very welcoming. But, you know, we also have the, the thing that I think the reforms that I would want to see happening is the people that claim to work for people that are, are, are refugees or asylum seekers, that they shouldn't be taking that as a job. Right, because a job and uh, a job and a community work, they're two different things. A job you're working to actually get a pay at the end of the day. So whatever you do, you know that you're just working for that for the paycheck, right? But if you are have that community spirit of welcoming people and make people part of the of, of your community, I think if if I'm talking in terms of the Irish community, yeah, it is a a country of a thousand welcomes, and it's just maybe been triggered out, manipulated by maybe other alliances that, you know, uh, they also partner to work for people like asylum seekers and uh, um, asylum seekers and refugees. But in terms of Irish people are very, very much welcoming people. Ali, you are so inspiring, such a powerhouse, like everything you have gone through and then you've gone and done other stuff. Like, was it 2019 you ran yes. in the election? Like, yeah. what, was, what was that moment like for you? That is incredible, Ali. <laughs> I, like, uh, I can't express to you, like, uh, my election had a twist in turns. Like, when I'm meeting a lot of people that, you know, like, they've known me for a while, they'll be like, Ali, your story has a twist in turns. Right. It did. But also for me, it's one of the... Uh, moments that they will remain in my life forever. And if I ask you like one of my best moments, those were one of my best moments, right? And what you have to understand is like when you are fighting a, a tough battle, it's not easy. You have to climb mountains to actually for you to succeed. So I learned a lot from my father and my father used to tell me that if you are doing something and your life is just so easy and smooth, just know you're doing nothing. Right. But if you are traveling and if you are riding a ride, if your if your car breaks up and then your tires burst and, you know, just know that this journey, it's it's leading me to something really, really great. So, you know, like I am so happy that I did what I did because it took the direct provision uh, case on a certain level. Yeah. Right. I have seen so many changes through the time that I've stand up and campaigned for this system. And that moment was just like one of those moments. And you know, I am the very, very first asylum seeker in Irish history to run for an office. When I was running for the public office, nobody knew even some of the TDs or, or, or member of the parties knew that people from the camp from direct provision could actually go and run for elections. I even wake them up. I even opened their eyes because now we started seeing community leaders coming into DP centers, now trying to change the landscape. 
Like even some of them, I know there were some, even after me, they were approaching people, do you want to come and just stand for election? Whether it was just like for the for the op, photo op or whatever it is, they were going in there. But there were things that really happened and people were like calling me, like people were like calling me like oh, my sister, which I've had a very good uh, relationship with the community from the asylum um, community, you know, and refugee community. And I can't tell you how much love people show me why I'm leaving or the stories that they tell me why I'm leaving. Because sometimes I feel sad that why should people come and write along your OJ on my death coffin when I'm right here? I can't even hear two or three, but I've been really lucky that, you know, like people come and tell me how they feel. So, you know, like my fair asylum seekers and refugees, they were coming to me like, oh, you know what, sister, you've actually died. Look, we had 10 TDs today in the GP center. They were even asking some of us, do we want to go and run for elections? I'm like, for real, you run for elections or they want you to be there for them to be seen? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So like, uh, yeah, but it did, you know, like it did open up a lot of doors and, uh, and not only for me, but also for the community of asylum seekers and refugees. And you've actually seen like so much changes that have happened for these past four years. So, you know, like uh, I, I, I would do that again. One word, I would do that again. Well, I hope you do. Cause I think yeah. we, need, we need more people like you, like you are yeah. incredible. We need you in our government, but you are continuously giving back. You also have yeah. open table. Tell me about this. Yeah, so I have our table. So our table uh, was set up in 2015 with uh, a very good friend of mine. Now I call her my sister, Michelle Damode. And uh, Michelle Damode, she's an Irish businesswoman that, you know, like was running her business here in, uh, Dublin, uh, in Dublin, uh, the Cake Cafe and the, uh, and the Slice. And, uh, you know, like we met through the conversation over food. We met through my uh, previous CEO, Sukonland. And when we met, you know, like uh, we sit down, we share the chocolate cake and we talk our love of food. And that's where the, our table uh, started from. And our table started like the idea of our table was to create a space whereby asylum seekers and refugees could come and integrate. And also knowing that a lot of asylum seekers spend so many time in, in, the, in, the, in the direct provision, not doing anything. So by the time they're getting their papers, it's very, very not easy for them to be employable. So we created this space so that we can retrain them and we can offer volunteership and also offer paid work, which it really worked really well. From 2015, it's a long story, so I'll just cut it short. So from 2015 to uh, 20 to where I am right now, we have actually worked, employed over 25 people, worked with over 100 volunteers, and offered so many um, uh, programs and skills. And also, uh, I've also um, been able to actually integrate many asylum seekers. Unfortunately, Ms. Michelle left. She went to, uh, you know, like uh, back to school in 2017, but I took up in 2017, I myself and other few uh, people that supported me to actually do that. And in 2019, you see, I got my papers. So after I got my papers, I needed actually to expand. So in 2020, I started working on another company too, which I've just now set up a new company, which is going to be launched in two, two weeks time. 
So that's kind of like my private company is called Ellie's Kitchen Home Ed Edition. It is the expansion of our table, but we've actually just set it up in a very different way so that it can actually be independent to earn more revenue so that it can consistently support asylum seeker, create employment, create a, a workspace, volunteership, internship for people. And, and, and yeah, and that's actually where we are. That doesn't mean that I've actually stopped uh, with our table, but no, our table is consistently going to still going to do the work that's been doing, supporting refugees, supporting asylum seeker, and also being able to offer programs to educate people in the community. But it's just going to be like a, a, also a private entity that's going to support because now I've got my pa my papers. I also had to create a space where now I can start earning wages because, you know, like the time that I've actually been, I was not able to earn any, uh, any wage. But now also I have to reset on my kids and, you know, and uh, establish myself and lay my roots here in Ireland. Because this are, is my mom. You yeah. are incredible. I, <laughs> I have heard you say, I want yeah. my history to stay here in Ireland. Alice, yes. when, yeah. we, when we look back at your history, what do you yeah. want people to say? Uh, I want to say like a woman that, you know, I moved over to Malawi and come to Ireland and fight hard to be accepted by the system. But I was right free straight away, accepted by Irish people. And with the love that they gave me, I look back and say, I'm nowhere other than far from home. I'm, I'm home, just right here at home. And the only thing I can do is to start laying the stones in my new home and make it a permanent home. I'll die here. I'll, I'll be, I'll, 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 I would love to be buried here. Um, uh, I know my parents raised in Malawi, but uh, I'm happy that, you know, uh, they're great, they're sleeping well, but uh, this is my new journey, me and my kids, and I've chosen it to be that way. And I wanna move forward. And this is my home. That's where I want to live. And that's where I want to stay. And that's where I want to sleep. So, yeah. And well, now it's just laying loads for my, for, my, for, my, for my new home. Well, Ali, I wish you and your family all the very best. You continue to shine so brightly. You are incredible. Thank you so much for giving up your time. So let me just, let me just show you one thing. So. Okay. <laughs> Just because of where you are, I could have sent you uh, the, the, the package. So this is what the new company is actually doing. So you see like the products in the shops. These are called Ellie's Kitchen Home Edition. So I have a line of uh, about now seven products that we've actually developed. So I have three hot sauces and two uh, pasta sauces. We've just taken down one for some reason because of the situation that we are in. And I have a peanut butter and a peanut snack. So these things, they'll be coming in shops like in a few weeks time. But, uh, you know, we are hoping to expand to Ellie's, uh, Ellie's Foods, which is going to be a brand line. Oh, yeah. incredible. I am so <laughs> happy for you. Cannot wait to pick one of those up off the shelf um, and bring home. As I said, you, yes. keep, you keep shining because you are incredible. <laughs> Thank you, Ellie. No, thank you very much. And I really, uh, I'm, I'm so humbled and honored for you guys to invite me here. And I'm looking forward to catch up with you soon and all of you guys when all this madness is over and continue doing good.